0: I think there's something very magical about someone who understands uh, marketing technology or ops and is a business leader, right? So, I mean, that means, you know, if you understand deeply the business process um, and you're able to then go build a Salesforce dashboard to then go look at it all together, you know, very quickly that transforms um, businesses because you can react so much more quickly.
1: Welcome to the Get the Marketing Talent Podcast. This is your host, Erica Seidel. We explore what it takes to get and keep the best marketing leaders in the B2B SaaS world. Welcome to the next episode of the Get. I'm Erica Seidel, and my guest today is Jason Seba, who is the SVP of Marketing at Eightfold. And Eightfold is a very cool talent intelligence platform. In the HR tech space, um, kind of helping companies with hiring by predicting the future steps uh, that that a particular um, set of candidates will be taking. Um, and Jason has this really cool background. Um, I met him. Oh boy, it's been years uh, since we met, but uh, uh, so many. It was this very uh, kind of eclectic background um, that all comes into play in his role. So, Jason, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here.
0: Thanks, Erica. Excited to be here with you.
1: So let's talk about your path. Um, I think your path is interesting because, um, you know, if you look at marketing leadership today, there's different uh, kind of breeds of marketers that that become uh, marketing, you know, the, the, the leaders of, of big swaths of marketing. So some people come up through demand gen. Some people come up through product marketing. Some people come up through uh, communications or brand. Um, and your background, it's, it's the demand gen side of things, but also um, you have the background in marketing tech and marketing operations. And I feel like that's relative. Relatively rare, right? We, we, there's plenty of people with a demand gen orientation um, running, uh, running marketing at various places, uh, but people who have been as deep in marketing tech and marketing operations as you are, um, I think, fairly rare. Um, I remember we met you were at Bloomreach and you were the chief marketing technology officer, and then you took over all of marketing. So my question for you is, how is a marketing leader with more of a Uh, marketing tech and marketing ops background distinct in perspective uh, from somebody else who who doesn't have that kind of background?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I think I was pretty fortunate to have kind of a unique, um, unique way of coming up. You know, I, you know, started a couple of radio stations in high school and college and then was the first marketer um, at a number of smaller companies. And so, you know, I got the chance to actually get exposed to a lot of different areas of marketing, whether it was product marketing or You know, brand or, you know, I mean, across the board. And so um, the way that I looked at it was just building these startups from the ground up. And so once I found kind of the market, you know, the marketing tech, marketing ops side of the world, um, I felt like it was just a way for me to scale up what I was doing as a marketer. And so, um, you know, I found Marketo pretty early on, you know, Salesforce, and I felt like kind of scaling the business um could happen much more easily that way but i think there's something i think there's something very magical about someone who understands uh, marketing technology or ops and is a business leader right so i mean that means you know if you understand deeply the business process um and you're able to then go build a salesforce dashboard to then go look at it all together you know very quickly that transforms um, businesses because you can react so much more quickly
1: I think a lot about the three A's of marketing, right? There's aptitude, attitude, and then altitude. And what I see in a lot of marketing ops folks is um, they're great at aptitude and attitude. Uh, The altitude, like being able to kind of see the forest for the the trees and, and being able to kind of get out of the weeds, that is where marketing ops people can struggle. Um, yeah. So I like what you're saying about being business first as opposed to operations first. I, th- I think you're totally right. Now in your case, you could kind of you know work in small companies and and um, uh, I don't mean this in a negative way, but po- poke your nose in other areas of the business, yeah. you know, get exposure um, beyond your um, beyond your silo. So are there any other pieces of advice that you would give to marketing tech people? Who want to become that um, that CMO down the line? Like, like if they don't necessarily have those opportunities within their companies um, that are so obvious to them to get that broader view, you know, or 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 maybe you think you know they should just you know find those opportunities and they're there in every business. And any thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I think there's I think there's still always an uh, ability to understand the business better. Um, you know, I think a lot of people end up doing operations work in a silo and they don't understand how it connects through the entire business, um, whether it's, you know, how, you know, how what you're doing is tying to revenue or how it's tying to conversion rate or how, you know, how this specific team works and how you're making their job that much easier so that you can sell much more easily. Um, those things, those things are always there. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a question of, like, do you want to dig in? and do the work to understand what's going on in the business. Like most businesses are fairly transparent, I would say, especially there are people in the business who are, who will be willing to be transparent with you. And so if you can find those business mentors, right? And those people who you can um, work alongside, I mean, those are the people who you can also make super, super successful, right? There's been people in my career um, that I partnered with where um, I've worked, you know, very hard to propel their career forward, right? And mm-hmm. you know, those those were business leaders that you know are extremely driven. And having someone who's on the upside side who can, um, who can help you answer the questions about the business quickly and in a really agile way really will um, really do open up doors. And when there's, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, data wins arguments, right? And so um, if there, if you can understand the data deeply. And, um, and make a case for the things that are right, um, I think that makes a big difference. Um, something to say there too is obviously, when I mean, you can tell you know, many stories with the same data, but um, you know, I think setting yourself up as an arbiter um, for companies and not being um, too driven just for your own team's success versus uh, the company's success. And that, that's, a, that's a really great place to be
1: What is a question that you would want to be asked to demonstrate that you are a really strong marketing leader?
0: I think, I think, I mean, to me it would be um, how do you get to know customers and what they need? Um, I think that's Mm -hmm. probably the deepest piece of what a marketer can do. And that's the, the empathy that you have for customers um and their challenges um i think is i think it's the it, it is the number one thing as a marketer and so whether that's um you know getting to know customers individually whether that's um, deeply understanding the product and the product market fit um if it's trying to understand what um, the message you know how messages resonate across the you know within the market and i think all of those types of of pieces flow into this question of how are you empathetic to the challenges of the people who you're serving?
1: So let's talk about your path to Eightfold. Um, I thought it was interesting that it started because you had a challenge um, that might resonate with many marketers, right? You had, you had a, a previous company and you had to quickly scale up uh, an SDR team. And you used Eightfold, and and so it's like you know you you liked that so much, and you ended up getting to know the company, um, and you joined. But can you tell us about that story, that whole arc of finding the company, and and scaling up the SDR team, and and um, and then going into joining the company full time?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I actually worked with the the CEO and founder um, of Eightfold was actually the CTO of the prior company I was with called Bloomreach. And um, as he left Bloomreach, you know, he worked on a number of startup ideas and this, and then Eightfold emerged. Um, it was actually called Volk Science at that point, And then it had, you know, changed names um, early on to Eightfold. Um, and so I was familiar with the company. And then as we were growing um, our sales development team at the next company, uh, we had, you know, we had almost 50 SDRs um, and managers. And so it was a big team and growing an SDR team in the San Francisco Bay area is a challenge. And so, Um, You know, I was looking for ways, you know, we were spending a lot of money on external recruiters and I was looking for ways for us to scale up and get the best talent. And so I actually went to them and I had heard about, you know, had spent time with them on the product um, and was even actually an advisor to the company. Um, And so had sent, you know, some folks to go, um, to go work there in the South Bay. And um, I needed a way to scale up, you know, fairly quickly. And so Eightfold actually provided a platform for us to identify, you know, people who we may have already talked to, or people who might be in the market, um, who would be a good fit for our roles. And so, um, we actually had we had six SDR managers, and so all of them, you know, got on the system, and we essentially created almost like a shadow recruiting organization where we were doing, you know, recruiting events and, you know, really pounding the pavement, sourcing to get the best talent. And so, um, in a highly competitive, you know, talent environment, that's what we had to do to grow. And so. Uh, we not only saved a bunch of money, but we were able to get really good people. Um, and it's been amazing to see, you know, where those folks have gone, you know, not only within that company, but then uh, at the next in other companies as well. Um, and so, yeah, and so then, so definitely knew the product and understood the value of the product. And, um, you know, uh, Ashu, who is the uh, the CEO of Eightfold, um, he was persistent, right? And he kept calling and, you know, he, I would say he hit on the right day, right? And so this is... This is always a very interesting piece of recruiting is, you know, it's very, I, I really do believe that it's very relational um, and sometimes it's very emotional, right, and so he called on the right day and um, then we were able to have a conversation and it happened like pretty quickly.
1: It seems like um, a lot of the disruption and the evolution that happened, that has been happening in marketing and MarTech over the last, you know, 10 years or so Is now starting to happen in HR and HR tech, right? We are starting to get much more quantitative, much more data driven with HR. You know, there are kind of new imports into HR, like new, new kind of transfer people into HR that that are. Uh, kind of beefing up the analytical skills of that area. Um, so, can you can you talk more about that and um, and you know w- w- what applies if if you are a MarTech person, you know, going into HR Tech and and what that evolution is like?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, I think everyone's trying to deal with you know, kind of digital transformation across all companies. You know, whether they're early in that journey or later in that journey, and ultimately, that transformation really starts with talent and people. And so, um, you're seeing as companies adapt and change, they need to um, have the right skills in their organization. And so, you're finding, and we're finding more and more tools that are trying to, under, you know, deeply understand people and the skills that are available, not only outside of the company, but now within the company. And so, um, you're starting to see you know, I would say a renewed focus on, you know, HR and the tools that are there. Um, I I definitely agree that there's now a lot of people who are coming in, um, especially to the CHRO role, um, that are from outside of HR. You know, we're seeing them from, you know, any, all over, from operations, even, you know, marketing or legal, um, who are going into, you know, going into those roles, and they're looking now for tools to help them scale. Um, And I, I would say that, those tools that, ha- you know, the things that happened in marketing, um, you know, the Marketos of the world and even the predictive analytics vendors, um, they provided um, a real, I would say, like a, a pretty robust funnel for talent to move in through organizations. And, you know, those tools just aren't there yet at that, at this point um, in HR and, you know, and Eightfold is, you know, we're actually building, you know, we've built some of those tools already um and kind of that deep understanding of people at an algorithmic level um so we can understand people at scale and their skills um is something that's very unique and there just there just wasn't the deep hr technology it's very i would say there's kind of these different um different ages of um or eras of software um and you saw you know marketing kind of go through um kind of through kind of workflow into really intelligent AI enabled tools. And I think you're seeing that now in HR as well, where you have very, you know, kind of legacy vendors that are focused on, you know, workflow. And then you have some new companies popping up that are, that are the entire platform is infused with intelligence and, you know, the data focus and those companies are, uh, they map more to the business process and to business impact.
1: Recruiting it requires this kind of combination of creativity and aggressiveness and timing and luck and relationships and speed and all of this. And so, um, as you have built teams, uh, you know, aside from using Eightfold, you know, uh, which which sounds like a great you know tool. Um, but um, what have you learned about how to get the best folks before other people do?
0: I think finding people, um, you know, Eightfold pro, Eightfold provides a unique tool to help you do that. Um, but I think there's also just how you how you pursue people and you share the vision um, of your company in a, in a real way. And it has, like I said, has to be authentic, right? I mean, if you're people who try to fake this stuff, it comes, it comes across. Um, but if you're passionate about what you're working on, and that also means picking the right companies, right? So you have to pick the right company to be working for um, so that you can be passionate about the product and be passionate about the people there. Um, so then you can, you know, then you can share that authentic passion with people. Um, and I think that resonates and I, I think that um, even like a good example is that you may not be first, right? A, a recent person who I hired, um, you know, that person had three other competitive offers. Um, and instead of, instead of, you know, me doing references for him, um, I actually had him do a reference for me, right? So I sent him to, you know, one of the directors that worked for me. Um, in the past and had him talk to her and like those types of conversations um, those really do change people's behaviors and if you have people who um, who've worked with you and you've helped grow um, you know they're very you know they're very apt to have those types of conversations for you.
1: I think that's a key point right The, the the overall theme here is like social proof right as you go through your career it's amazing. Like you meet people one year and then 10 years later that person could be in your life again or maybe they've been in your life for that whole 10 years. Um, and your point about, you know, let's call it like reverse references, I think that's great because you're not saying to the candidate, oh, you know, take my word for it, I'm a great leader of people and your your career is going to develop here. You just say, hey, talk to this other person about what it's like to work on my team. And then you're trusting that other person to um, – give an authentic view of what it was like. And maybe, you know, maybe you have these situations where you lose a candidate because what they hear is not, you know, maybe it's great, but it's not quite what they have in mind. But, you know, to your point, it's probably better to have that than to um, do, because that, that shows kind of caring about somebody's career over the longer term. One thing that I see Silicon Valley companies do more than others is have this kind of um, dream hire list, right, and call it a talent pipeline or or what have you, but people that, you know, if if those people come up on the market, take them because uh, they're really good and invent a job for them. Um and even if they're not available, just you know, stay in touch with them in a proactive way. I've seen some companies, you know, like um find out like have their top one hundred people that they would love to work with, find out their birthday, send them a birthday card or you know, birthday donuts or whatnot.
0: Even in our product, we talk about kind of a talent network, and that's everyone who's, you know, applied to you or you've worked with in the past who you care about as a company, but I would say You know, each one of us who's, I would say, like executive leaders in the Valley, like they have those people that they've worked with before that they will do just about anything to get um, back with. Right. And um, and who can help, you know, propel these businesses forward together. Um, There's definitely, you know, the the 10x engineer concept is uh, is pretty Mm -hmm. played out by now, I would say. Um, But I do definitely believe that 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 type of person exists on the business side as well
1: we might be pivoting into an economy that is very different, where there's a lot of candidate abundance, right? Um, And where there might be less hiring and uh, more candidates on the market. So can you contrast what you have been doing with what you might be doing going forward um, in this situation of of relative candidate abundance and, and how that changes as a marketing leader?
0: The companies that are going to be growing through this time are still going to be hiring, you know, significantly, I would say. Um, But they may be able to get access to talent that you wouldn't have had access to otherwise. So if you look at like Facebook and Google through kind of the 2008, you know, crisis, like people, they grew and they they actually poached talent and got talent that they never would have had access to um, otherwise. If you're a very large company, right, you're going to have, you know you know, you might have 2X, 3X, 5X, the number of applicants that you were having before. And so um, how do you work through, you know, algorithmically and understand, you know, the people and their fit to fit to role so that you can match people to the right roles and um, essentially work, you know, work through that talent pipeline in a way um, that's efficient because, you know, during these times, you know, in down economies, right, you know, talent teams are, you know, can be much smaller and they have to do more with less. And so Mm -hmm. um, I think you're going to see, we talked a little bit earlier about the emergence of, you know, kind of HR tech tools. And I think you're going to see a whole set of companies that will pop up um, and ones that are already established that will try to address this challenge.
1: As companies get more comfortable with work from home arrangements because they kind of have to now, um, yeah. it, it uh, removes the barriers, the geographic barriers to hiring people. You know, So as you say, you can, you can hold out for the right one and you can hold out for the right one wherever that person is if you've gotten used to the work from home <clears throat> dynamic.
0: Yeah, I think that's gonna. I think it will change pretty dramatically. Um, you know, some people love working from home, some people don't, and um, but I do think that you're gonna see a lot of companies that are gonna be you know remote first or at least um, more accepting.
1: And now for my last question for you, what is your advice for other marketing leaders on how they can lead during a time of uncertainty? I mean, I think we're 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 in this uh, brand new phase, you know, kind of week one of uh, supreme uncertainty here. Any any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think caring for people is you know never goes out of style, right? So caring for you know your employees, caring for your customers. Um, I think those are two big pieces. I think adapting quickly. Um, You know, the the message that you had a week ago is not the message that's gonna resonate now. And so um, being able to, you know, get your teams to move quickly and align around, you know, it may not be a completely new vision, but the vision may be changed. And to get not only um, your teams, but your company to align around those visions is is pretty important. Um, I think also just like being, I would say being emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent, um, as you go through. And if anyone says they're emotionally intelligent, they're probably not. So definitely not saying that. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to, trying to, um, be thoughtful about the message that you have and how it resonates in culture, I think is going to matter, you know, more than ever. Um, you know, there's gonna be a lot of sensitivity over the next, you know, we don't know how long, um, and, you know, traditional sales tactics are not going to work during those times. And so, it's how do you how do you care about I think your customers first and then as you as you move out into prospects, it's how do you partner with people, you know, to solve the problems that they have um, and really consult with them and innovate and that's that will be what will cut through the noise. Um, I think I would say over this next you know six months to a year.
1: Great, fabulous. Well, Jason, this has been great to have you on the show. So thank you so much for sharing your insights.
0: Thanks, Erica. It's great to, great to catch up and uh, good talking with you. Thanks for
1: joining us today for The Get. Join us next time with another guest. Till then, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify so you don't miss a thing.